Hello, folks, and welcome to another Locked On Canadians Extra. We are bringing you all your extra mailbag questions, a little bit of talk about Laura's vacation and time away, all that and more inside today's bonus episode. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another Locked On Canadians Extra. These are our bonus episodes to get to whenever we have extra content or things we just want to talk about. In this one, we are taking the rest of some leftover mailbag questions, having a little bit of story time to give you all the Canadians content you need over the American Thanksgiving week. And also us content. Us content, yes, us content. (laughs) We got to talk about how I, one of your hosts, Scott Madla, almost died in a snowstorm because I am stupid. And my wonderful co-host, The Active Stick, is going to have her story time where she tells you about how she went to like fancy places in France to drink wine and eat cheese and read books. And it's way cooler than mine. But before we get to that point, we do have a couple more mailbag questions we want to dig into in our bonus episode. If you ever want to send us mailbag questions at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com or in our YouTube comments. Just don't be a jerk. Nobody's got time for that. Nobody wants to deal with that. Laura, you have them screenshotted and saved or listed or however you do this because you are the quiz question master, whatever it is. What do we have left to talk about in the mailbag? So uh, full disclosure, this is from a couple of weeks ago. Some of these questions are from yesterday. Some of them from a couple of weeks ago. My bad. Uh, these are all my bad on that, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> these are all YouTube questions, um, and that's why we do an extra so that we can talk a little bit of stuff that's not hockey, but also talk about Canadian stuff as well. Uh, Evan B. Hey Scott, this was when I was on vacation. A couple of questions. With the emergence of the young decor much quicker than many likely anticipated, guys like Edmondson and Savard might be more available than they would have been a few months ago. What is your ideal return for one of them, and what would be the least you would be comfortable giving them away for? Also, what do you see the Habs trying to do contract-wise with Harris? I don't see Joel Edmondson going anywhere. I think he's too ingrained like the new team dad especially in that young defense that I don't think he's going anywhere at all. Uh, David Savard, if a team truly like wants a veteran defenseman, if you can get like a third and a prospect, not like an elite prospect, like just, you know, a good, maybe AHL prospect and like a mid round pick, like a second or a third for David Savard to take it and run. I don't anticipate teams giving that up because another year on his contract, he hasn't looked great this year. But he plays a ton of minutes and blocks a ton of shots. So there's got to be a very stupid team out there that's willing to pay for that. Not even stupid, just old school. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato, Edmonton. Anyways. uh, (laughs) This is not a shot at David Savard. I think he's miscast in Montreal very, very badly. And we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. I think he can play well in the right role. And I know he's going to go to some team. They're going to put him in the right role and he's going to become that shut down, like third pair defenseman. Um, I think they could get a lot for Joel Edmondson to be quite honest, because he's younger. 
He's a leader on this team. He's got a Stanley Cup, too. I think they could get a lot for him. Maybe not this year, but potentially next year. And as for Jordan Harris's contract, you see if you can get three-ish years and keep the price down, three, maybe four, if you really, really think he's that good, which I do, and you keep that price down. Because he's not going to command a lot. He's not lighting it up on the score sheet, but he's playing really well. That I think that plays into Kent Hughes's favor here and that he can get more years and keep a lower AAV and that allows them to spend potentially a little bit more on someone like a Caden Gooley or take some of that money and give it to Caulfield's upcoming contract or whomever else. So uh, I completely forgot he's a free agent after the season too. Um, The contract, the Harris contract. Yes. Because yes. he played a game last year that burned the first year of his entry level deal. And this I is keep obviously forgetting this that too. That's, that's why I was like, what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> um. Sorry. Uh, next question is from Andrew N. This is very, this was from 12 days ago, just so you know, at the time that we're recording this. Now, my question is it time to start worrying that the Habs might not get a top five pick in the draft as they are playing very well? And considering their best defenseman, Mike Matheson, has not played a game yet, but should be back soon. Hi, Andrew. I'm in the future. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Admittedly, yes. This is from about a week and a half, two weeks ago. So I look at it this way. And we talked about it in the episode that you will hear Wednesday of the week of the week of American Thanksgiving is Matheson doesn't look as good as he could yet just because he's coming off a long-term injury. I'm not too worried about it because there are other regressions that are going to happen, both good and bad. I think the Habs are going to be a team that hovers around that seven to 10 spot in the lottery. And I think the sooner Habs fans kind of adjust to that fact, the better because there's too much talent for them to be this bad. They might fall off the second half of the season when pieces move out and more younger guys are playing and we're going to find out who is and isn't ready. I'm not worried about it. I haven't been worried about it for a while because some things were unsustainable. Some things are. It's all going to balance out, and I think this team's somewhere in that 7 to 10 range in the lottery, honestly. Uh, Our friend Victor Maxwell, good friend of the show. Great job, Scott, holding down the fort. Obviously, this is while I was on vacation. Uh, Mailbag question. No, I think, Scott, you did an amazing job holding down the fort. Uh, The Senators are interested in Christian Dvorak. Question, what is the return? Dvorak is playing heavy defensive minutes, and we saw what happened when Philippe Deno left. Do we trade or not? Monaghan, Byron, Drewan will be off the books. We may keep Dvorak until there's a Leo Carlson or an Adam Fantilli in the system. That ask The ask should be the first round draft pick unconditional. Well, given that Ottawa's in the toilet right now. Um, yeah. Don't um, give Ottawa anything. Like, here's the thing. Like, even if it's the worst player on the Montreal Canadiens or somebody that nobody likes or somebody that, like, just isn't fitting, I wouldn't trade anything to Ottawa. I mean, yeah, and also, like, Christian Dvorak, despite being labeled as a defensive guy, hasn't had very good defensive metrics this year. He's just playing at... a lot of minutes. Exactly it. And I wonder if they, they look in there and, like, do you try and get a guy like Ridley Gregg or a Lassie Thompson on uh, one of the guys on defense or, like, an Angus Crookshank and picks? Admittedly, though, I don't like trading in the division to a team that you're competing with to get out of the toilet first. Um not my first pick on that. Um, 
I'd like to ship Dvorak out west and get him as far away from this team as possible uh, because there are teams that are going to pay for a center. And a guy, I think, can be a very useful piece for a team, but the Habs haven't seemed to found or have, haven't found the right fit for him yet, which is kind of a shame because a lot of the whole Kotkaniemi thing hinged on Christian Dvorak being a replacement, which he might be, he might not. I don't really know. It might be a trade where... Nothing worked out in the end. Uh, we do have more mailbag questions, and we're going to get to those in the second half of our bonus episode. Plus, we have Laura's story time from her trip away, and that's all coming up next. But first, this bonus episode is brought to you by the folks at betonline.net. They're your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, and more. You can get the latest odds, trends, everything you are looking for right at Online. From football, the NFL, NCAA football, and bowl season is almost upon us. Soccer, you've got the World Cup going on. What more could you want? Hockey, basketball, boxing, MMA, Bet Online has it all there. And they've got sports podcasts. And I know you love sports podcasts because you're listening to us right now at Locked On Canadians. And we're all and they are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. And remember, folks, bet online. It's where the game starts. We are back. It is the second half of our very special Lockdown Canadians Extra. We got a couple more mailbag questions to get to, and then I am turning the show over to my co-host to tell us all about her very fancy pants vacation to Europe while I was holding down the fort here. Laura, what else do we have left over in our mailbag of fun? So before I get to like actual mailbag questions, there's a lot of commenters talking about my hair, uh, which always <laughs> amuses me. <laughs> my hair is not just like a giant part of like my look. Uh, it is also a giant part of my personality. Uh, literally, some people will be like, Laura, the girl with the hair. Uh, the answer to the question, like, what do I do with my hair to make it look the way it looks is essentially wash it and then hope and pray. Uh, it does. It never looks the same way twice. Uh, I do thank you all for making me feel better. Whenever I feel like my hair is like a giant mess, like I will get compliments in the in the. I'm not soliciting comments by the way. I'm just saying thank you. Um, and then <laughs> sometimes it'll look flatter. Uh, sometimes I'll put it up, and then when I put it down again, people will be happy. Uh, so just so you know, this is a giant mess of hair that has needed a haircut since August. I haven't had time to schedule a hair appointment, I decided when I was on vacation to like actually go away on vacation and not do these things where like you catch up. So like, that's like the answer to your question, like how do I get my hair to be the way it is or how do I style it or whatever is literally I wash it and then I hope and pray. That's it. <laughs> and it does whatever it wants. It does not like, it does not obey me. Like I obey the hair, but thank you all for, for commenting on it. Even sometimes when people are like, Oh, why'd you put your hair up? Like, you know what? At least I know, like, I know that people are paying attention. Um, and it just, it amuses me. It does. It's, it's, it's been, uh, my personality and my look for very many years. All right. Uh, question from Francis T. With all the talk around the top two centers on cup-winning teams, do you think we could compare Suzuki and Beck to Bergeron Krejci in a couple of years? So this is interesting because if you listen to our Wednesday episode, I talked about Jeff Gordon um, and his appearance on the Tony Marinero sick, on the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero, and then on the Tuesday episode, I talked about Kent Hughes appearing on uh, the Raw Knuckles podcast. They both referred to Patrice Bergeron, and to be fair, Nick Suzuki was not compared to Patrice Bergeron 
specifically by the general manager of the or the executive vice president or whatever he is. Um, they brought up Bergeron, and I think it was Tony Marinaro that said that Nick Suzuki has Bergeron-like qualities. Um, I don't think, like, I think if we sit there and we say, like, is Nick Suzuki the next Patrice Bergeron? Like, we're doing A, Nick Suzuki a disservice, and B, like, Patrice Bergeron wasn't even the next Patrice Bergeron until he became Patrice Bergeron, right? Like, so, yes, it is true that you need a really good one-two punch at center if you want to be a cup-winning team. And it is really good that, you know, Nick Suzuki's favorite player, his hero, the guy he emulates, is Patrice Bergeron, because both on and off the ice, Patrice Bergeron is fantastic. But I think it's really interesting that this came up, and, like, this is a conversation that's going on. I do think, though that when the Canadians are contending, however far they go, whether they're a consistently contending team or there's a one run and they're done, hopefully there's a cup involved, whatever it is, I do think that we're going to be looking at Nick Suzuki as the number one center and Owen Beck as the number two. That's that's how I feel. And I think the biggest thing is that is a lot of people forget like how good guys like Nathan Horton, Milan Lucic were for those teams in roles. Brad Marchand was a young guy on that 2011 Bruin team when they won a cup. The Having those champions. Champions. Thanks, Tyler Sagan. Um, good work, buddy. As always, keep up the valiant effort to be the absolute biggest himbo in the NHL. Uh, I do like that idea is that, and I do not want to anoint Beck as a top six center immediately. He has all of the qualities to be that guy. And I think he can be. I don't want to anoint him there yet until he gets regular NHL or professional minutes. And I think the Habs realize the same thing. If he comes in and takes it, screw it. It's yours. Take it, kid. I'm not going to slow you down at all. But I want him to get there on on the right schedule, not immediately thrusting him into that role because we've seen it with Alex Galchenyuk and we saw it with Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Don't rush a pivotal piece if you don't have to, and they do not have to at this point, but I am very interested to see uh, how Owen Beck plays uh foil to Nick Suzuki kind of in this lineup here and how much more flexibility it gives the Montreal Canadians. Jeff Gordon said specifically on Owen Beck, not to not to put a ceiling on him. We always talk about what a high floor he has, but Jeff Gordon saying not to put a ceiling on him. I thought that was really interesting. All right. Uh, two quick questions for Scott. Which fan base is more tortured, Vikings or Bills? And this one comes from Paul G. I mean, they're both pretty tortured, but like the Vikings are tortured in a different way. Uh, but the Bills losing four Super Bowls in a row and then finally almost getting back to the promised land last year, only to lose with that heartbreaking overtime game in Kansas City. It's Bills fans, and I don't think anyone else in the 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 real answer is Lions fans are the most cursed fans in the NFL. The Hi, loins. Joe, we love you. Um, the but Detroit it's, it's loins, loins, <laughs> lured thy. Anyways, it's it's definitely Lions fans, but out of the two, it's Bills fans going to four straight Super Bowls and winning none of them, each in a different heartbreaking fashion. By far, the cursed, tortured, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Adam, you asks last week, you were asked about wrestling names. Let's build on that. If you could represent different players as foods, what would they be? I'd like to hear one of you say the foods and the other guess the players. All right. So let's, let's keep this simple. We're going to, we're going to do five. We're going to do a starting lineup of players, five players and one goalie. 
Okay. Um, I'm going to say mashed potatoes and gravy. Oh. Oh. That's got to be Savard. I Close. I was going to say Brendan Gallagher is mashed potatoes and gravy because it's simple and it does the job effectively. Um, David Savard is stuffing <laughs> for oh. me. All right. I realize Wait, I'm just on, naming though. Thanksgiving dinner here. No, no, no. Which... We're not. We're, okay, hold on. We're removing David Savard off the table, right? Okay. So yes. you've already, like, here's your starting lineup, and you, you probably wouldn't have had him on there. So give, give me another food, <laughs> and I'll say the name. Oh, hmm. Man, I got put on the spot here. Like, oh, man. A nice cup of tea. A nice cup of tea? Yes. I realize this is like a very weird like is riddle for Jake you to Allen? say. Yes. Yes, it is. It is absolutely Jake Allen. All right. We've got mashed potatoes and gravy. Gravy is Brendan Gallagher. Brady. <laughs> Gallagher. We're trading for Brady Kachuk and putting him on a line with <laughs> Brendan Gallagher just to ruin everyone's entire life. <laughs> um, um, and then a nice cup of tea is Jake Allen. So we've got yes. the starting goaltender and one winger. Captain Crunch Cereal. Captain Crunch, Crunch Cereal. Ooh. Nick Suzuki? No. Um, think. It, it's gritty. It cuts the roof of your mouth. It can be very annoying. Yet people can't seem to help themselves with buying and or eating it. Cap- annoying. Arbor Jackeye? Bingo. Oh, awesome. Okay. People so- can't help but open the door to Arbor Jackeye, punching them in the face. It's gritty. <laughs> it cuts up the roof of your mouth, etc., etc., Hmm. What else do we have here? Oh man, this is a no. I can't say what it's going to be. Tomato soup and grilled cheese. Tomato soup and grilled cheese. Yes, this is two items. Two items. Two players. Yes. Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. Exactly. You can't have one without the other. Peanut oh. butter and jelly. Tomato and grilled cheese. I get it. I have one more left, and I'm trying to think of another defense. <laughs> um, you know what? A steak cooked slightly medium well. Jordan Harris. Kane Gooley? I was going to well, say celery for Kane Gooley, but <laughs> that might be mean. Um, okay. You said a steak cooked? Slightly medium well. Slightly medium well. Joel Edmondson? There it is. It's tough. It's, it's meaty. Peasy. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's a little overdone. So like, it's a little tough, kind of hard to get through sometimes. Not as good as it could be, but it's still very serviceable when served the right way. We have the very just strangest lineup of food here. We have Captain Crunch, steak, tea, mashed potatoes and gravy, grilled cheese and tomato soup. I do not recommend that you consume all of these things in one sitting unless you want indigestion or... That's why you need the celery. <laughs> all right. If they put on... Allen, they can put celery on the plate. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so that was it for our mailbag questions. Uh, and so it's my turn to do story time. So on the last extra, it was Scott's story time. Uh, my story time is not going to be as long as his because I didn't almost die in mine. Um, <laughs> but uh, we did get a lot of mailbag questions. And thank you to the people who care enough um, about my vacation. Uh, so I'm just going to give a brief summary of what I did. 
I uh, saved up a lot of my credit card points. Like I, you know, like somebody in the comments was like, stop complaining about your day jobs. Like, listen, we all work hard. Um, most of us don't make enough money, but I had saved up a bunch of credit card points and I bought myself a trip. Uh, I have friends who live in France. I was very lucky that I have friends who live in France. And I also really like to go to London because thanks to my background, I'm very lucky. I have friends from all over the world and I have a lot of friends in London. So I wanted to go see them. And I haven't traveled in a while. I, I did travel for work. I did go visit my parents, but I didn't really do any like like touristy, travely like stuff like that. And it it's the middle of November, you know. Like I didn't really blame anyone for not being able to come with me, but that also gave me the advantage of being able to run my own time. So I bought myself a ticket to London, and then I bought myself a ticket from London to Toulouse. Um, and my friends live outside of Toulouse, like like a you know like a short train away I guess um and what I did in London essentially was see my friends go to markets walk around one day I went to three parks uh, I went to Regent's Park and then Primrose Hill which is like basically right there uh, and then I walked all the way to Hampstead Heath and that's like it was 17 degrees right it's November it's beautiful like it was sunny there was no rain which is rare for London when you go to London um so I just had like this really amazing day where I went to three parks and this was also kinds of, you know, like because of COVID plans have to change. There were plane delays, train delays, security was a nightmare. If you're traveling in 2022, just remember that you're going to be stuck in the security line for at least three hours. Um, so all of that to say, like, you know, I had a beautiful day in London. I saw a bunch of my friends and then in Toulouse, I spent a whole day in the city and then I spent a day. My friend's farm, uh, my friend's house, which is a converted farm. It's not currently a farm, but I think they're trying to do farming. Um, and it's a house that was built in French Revolutionary times. It was built originally as a farm and a barn and everything like that. Um, so you could see the original beams like in the mornings. I would wake up and it was like the original beams. And then every time you took a step in the house, it would creak like crazy because it's like a historic house. Um, and they had this beautiful land. And I just spent an entire day. Like first I slept on a hammock and then... I like, you know, it got cold and rainy. So I came inside and like took a nap on the uh, inside and as got set drinking, I didn't eat all the cheese or drink all the wine. You know what I had a lot of though was butter because butter in France <laughs> tastes exactly what butter should taste like. It's so good. Like I literally bought a sandwich at the airport and the butter in the sandwich at the airport was better than any butter I've had in my life. Like that's how good it is. Go to France, eat butter. Um, it is expensive though. Everything was really expensive. That's the thing. That's why like I saved a lot of credit card points so that I could spend the money that I would have spent, spent on a flight uh, slash hotel. I paid nothing for either of those things. I only paid for the train tickets uh, that I took from city to city uh, or sorry, from Toulouse to where my friends live. So um, I spent all of that on like experiences and food. Uh, so things were really expensive, but you know what? Like, it reminded me of why people travel. It reminded me of why I like to travel. It gave me like a really good experience. And like I said, like if you have friends anywhere, hit them up and see if you can go stay with them. A lot of them will be happy to see you um, and see, you know what? There's no harm in asking. They might say no. They might say they're busy. They might say it's not a good time. Uh, but you know what? I, I think, I think it's just something that, people if you can find a way to do it like I said for me I couldn't afford it but I saved up every credit card point like this has been like I want to say like since 2007 I've been saving um and gave myself a really nice trip like if there's a way that you can travel 
do it. I know some people are scared or they worry about it. I know some people love it. I know some people like to stay at home, but being exposed to different things. And this is like by far one of the easiest trips I've taken. Like if I travel by myself, I like to go somewhere where I know the languages and I'm familiar with it. Like I've been to France before I go to London a lot. Like if you can see the world and meet new and exciting people do that, like it gives you a different perspective. And I know it's not available to everybody and it's a huge luxury and a privilege that I got to do this. But if you're ever, ever in a position where you can do it, because I think it just, it makes your life better to be exposed to different kinds of people and make friends. Like I made friends there. I, I, I met people there. Like I, I went there to see friends that I already had and I met new people. Um, I learned new experiences. I went to, you know, like, this is the thing. It's like you see every 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 movie that's set in London, especially romantic comedies, like there's a scene on Hampstead Heath, right? Like I'd never been before, despite the number of times that I've been. So like going there just to experience it, it just like it feels more beautiful. Like just the idea of doing this in a different city somewhere where a lot of people know about it or it's like it's got like a cultural uh, importance um, and things like that. Like I just... I felt really, really happy when I got back that I got to do this. So, you know, if you if you can do it, I know everybody can't, but if you can do it and if you if you think that that's something that you could save up to do, do it. And there you have it. Laura's story time that doesn't involve her, well, almost dying. So uh, this was a Lockdown Canadians Extra. You will find this in the Lockdown Canadians Extra playlist on our YouTube channel. We will be dropping this later in the week for you to enjoy in addition to our regular mailbag, which remember, tweet us at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Follow Laura at The Active Stick. Follow myself at Scott Matla. Uh, I will see you when I get back from vacation. And until then, Laura has all the great guests lined up for you. We will see you all then.